0: My hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello, alumni. Welcome back to After Four, the podcast that's just for you. And if this is your first time joining us, I am glad you made it. I'm John Steele, and it's time to jump into another great alumni story. This week is actually a first for the podcast. Today, you're going to hear from our very first alumni business owner. Now, we've had alumni on the show in the past who do own a business, but this is the first episode where we're going to focus in on the business as the primary topic of our conversation. So today, we're joined by Maryland Institute College of Art alumna Tatiana. We're going to hear all about her home textiles business, Azuahaza, and the story of how she's partnering with Colombian artisans to create an amazing product with a meaningful history. You're going to love this conversation, so let's just get to it. Here's Tatiana. This one's for you, alumni. Hello, Tatiana.
1: Hello, John.
0: Welcome to the podcast.
1: Thank you. I'm happy to be here.
0: I'm really glad that you're here today. This is super exciting because this is my longest distance interview. I'll let you tell people why that is. But would you please, just as we get started here, introduce yourself, tell us what do we need to know about who you are, Tatiana?
1: Yeah, sure. Thank you. So I'm Tatiana. I am from Colombia, South America. I live in Colombia, so currently we're talking from, I guess, very north to very south (laughs) of the Americas. (laughs) I grew up in Bogotá, the capital of Colombia. I grew up in a Christian home, and then I had the privilege of going to study abroad after I graduated high school. I went to school in the U.S., and I was able to study art. That's a passion that I always had since I was a kid. So it was really, really sweet to see God's plan come to fruition That was definitely a dream come true for me.
0: Where was it that you studied?
1: I studied in an institute called the Maryland Institute College of Art in Baltimore, Maryland. I'd never heard of Baltimore before. (laughs) Just the Hairspray musical. (laughs) That's pretty much it. Oh,
0: that's great.
1: Yeah, so it was really new for me. And studying art in Baltimore was also very transformative because it is a city that has a lot of community involvement. A lot of people there that are creatives are just so used to using their skills to serve the community around them in any way possible. So I really enjoyed that, that it was not just a bubble of art And galleries, but it was actually making sure that whatever we're learning in school, we are taking out and putting it to work in real life.
0: What I already know of your story, that just totally makes sense. We'll get into that in just a little bit, but I assume that it was during your time in Baltimore that you met InterVarsity. Tell me just a little bit about that story and if there's maybe one standout memory from that time.
1: So, when I arrived, I was excited, but also very nervous to find a Christian community. And I remember that I started to meet some people that had some church background, but it was a little bit awkward to talk about it. And it was until I met some friends at the international welcoming booth. And they said that they had seen this club in varsity and that there were Bible studies. And so I immediately was like, I need to go there. And one memory that I, always carry with me is one night, the inner varsity from another school that was really close by and the inner varsity from my school, they decided to partner together for a small worship night because none of us visual artists knew how to play an instrument. (laughs) (laughs) And the other school was a music school. So obviously they were like, I'll play some guitar for you guys. It was really sweet. It was a really nice worship night. But more than that, I see it as a moment where God answered a lot of prayers You know, we're all scattered around school in our dorm rooms, praying for community and friends. And then that night we all met each other. And it's been like eight years or plus since that. And I can still say that they're some of my best friends today. So that was really sweet. Definitely felt like God just answered all of our prayers that night.
0: That's really cool. Amazing to see how something like worship, which we oftentimes think of this very vertical experience, like us and God kind of experience. Worship is also this very communal experience, this sort of horizontal, and that those things happen together, not only useful for drawing us closer to God, but useful for drawing us closer together. And that that's something that actually cemented relationships for you for years to come. That's really exciting. You're a a 2016 alum, and then after graduation, and I'm sure that there are things that are happening during your college career as well, that start moving you in the direction of what is the business that you own today. Tell us just a little bit about the business that you own, and then I want to hear more about the story that got it to where it is today.
1: So my business is called Zuahasa. It's an artisan business. We focus on making decorative home goods like pillows, blankets, table, linens, anything that's home decor. But the focus is that it's handmade by artisan communities in Colombia. And we also have incorporated a sustainability aspect to our business using materials that are really friendly with the earth, with people that use it. So it's something that we feel that we're honoring people and honoring the earth by using this type of materials that are not harmful. So that's the business.
0: Can you tell me the significance behind the name Zuhasa? Like what does, for me, Minnesotan, what does that, uh, <laughs> what does that mean?
1: Yeah, sure. So Zuhasa is technically a made up word. It's two indigenous words from a mountainous region where I'm from. And the two words mean my and then sister. So I basically combined them together to create a word that to me just meant sisterhood. And that was really significant to start the business because a product-based business generally has a focus on the product, of course. You have to make a product and make a sale. That's the whole point of it. But I really wanted this to be more of a collaboration, a community between mostly women because women in Colombia are traditionally the ones that make craft that are, you would say craftsmen, but craftswoman, I would say. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yeah. And so I just kind of felt a need of wanting to symbolize the relationship that I wanted to carry through instead of a boss and an employee sort of relationship, more of like sisters helping each other and growing each other to make products and sell them.
0: It sounds like a very different relationship that you have with these people than what we might think of from, you know, the products that we see at target or you know whatever whatever it might be that's amazing tell me the story of what inspired zuwahhasad
1: I would go back to college when I quickly fell in love with textiles I fell in love with craft mostly. I started off as a painter and I still do and I love, but I think I really resonated with textiles because there was a huge human connection behind it. There's so much history, so much culture. I was fascinated by the way, if you see textiles from the ancient Middle East, ancient Indonesia, and then the same time in South America, Mesoamerica, these communities were making textiles at the same time in incredibly complex ways and they had never met each other before. There was so much history and culture that I thought it was beautiful. From there, I started to focus my training in textiles, in learning how to weave, how to naturally dye, how to understand what makes a fabric. And I was praying through my senior year, asking God to really help me figure out how this passion was going to be, and not just give me a job, but that I was using my skills for something good, for something that God had called me to. There was a trip that I did with my school to Turkey the summer of my junior year. It was two weeks of going to workshops and museums, and there was one specific NGO that we met, and I loved their story. That day, I felt like God spoke to me about potentially what my skill could be put into work. Basically, the whole model of the NGO was that they wanted to preserve the craft that a community of weavers had, and little by little was getting lost because of mass production. So the history, really, of their culture was getting lost. Therefore, they stopped practicing it. And so craft is like playing an instrument. You really have to practice it to master it, to be good. It was really not at the high level that they had before. And someone saw that, said, we can't allow this to be lost. And also people were losing a livelihood. So they decided to basically create an NGO to support craft, to give them the time and space to do it. Making a rug can take you months. So they would give them the economic support to be able to sit down, make a rug in the traditional ways with the materials that were used before in the skill set. And fast forward to today, this NGO has really revitalized this community economically and culturally. This community is known to be some of the best weavers of this technique. Their rugs are exhibited in museums nowadays. To me, that spoke of something that was a need in that moment and how art and craft and something that you feel like it's impossible to compete in this globalized world has a value and people really do see the human value in it and how it changed lives. And so after I graduated, I was able to get some internships in NGOs that were doing something very similar, working with communities in India, communities in Africa, partnering to give them the market access that they don't have in their communities. So that was really encouraging. I felt affirmations of God just showing me this is something that's speaking to your heart, then pursue it. And then after getting some knowledge and experience, I decided to come back to Colombia and start my own business. But instead of a nonprofit, I decided to start it as a social enterprise. So basically the profit that comes in, we want to reinvest in people, making sure that our team and the artisans have a sustainable income to grow the business.
0: Maybe this is my Western mind at work here. I think about the idea of something like these home goods being, okay. you're making a practical good and somebody is making a living off of it. And to think that the experiences that you've had and what is feeding into what Zuhasa is today is so much bigger than that, that it is this idea of preserving culture. When I think about going into a store and buying something, I don't even think about that as being something that's representative of culture and something that requires a skill to develop and that even that skill has ties to culture. That is fascinating to me to think about the experiences that you've had and the work that you're doing today, that it's not just making a living wage and it's not just about creating a practical product, that it is about preserving and sharing culture with the world. And that is just such a fascinating concept to me. I think that's really cool.
1: I think I could nerd out all day about just (laughs) why I love textiles. And I just see God in all of it, really. At the end of the day, to me, learning about culture, learning about how things were made, it always went back into, wow, like God is incredible, you know, giving humans the ability to make things so beautiful. Sometimes I see some artwork and I am amazed at how in the world did that came to be. And it's really just we are image bearers of God and he made us to be able to create things beautifully the way that he creates things beautifully. And so I think that is worth preserving for people to learn about and to see ultimately see God in everything that we we do, even if it's just a pillow. Right. See his handwork there.
0: And it's really cool to think that something like these ancient processes that have been carried on, you said that these are places that are creating similar things, but from very different parts of the world. And I imagine that there are places that you can see similarities in their techniques and in the types of fibers and things that they would use, but then also things that are very distinct in their techniques. And that even that shows like, here are the places as image bearers of God that we have overlap in who we are, but then also where we have these very distinct and unique aspects of God's characteristics that we show. And that, like you're saying, even in something like a pillow, that those things can be expressed. I love that. So Tatiana, you've already alluded to some of these things, but tell us just a little bit more, how do these experiences that you've had impact the way that Zuahaza operates and the products that it provides today?
1: So through the experiences I had, I was able to have a grasp of what it actually takes to have a business operating in the real world. And through those, I did experience some of the negative side of things. I was able to see when things don't go right in terms of paying people, fairly paying people on time you market yourself, like we're going to pay this artist and we're going to help them. But then at the end of the day, the people that are in the business or in the workshop working with them start seeing inconsistencies. And I think those experiences and seeing it in someone else's business allowed me to really have the strength to choose to put people first always and just trusting God that, okay, we didn't reach our sales goals, but people need to eat and pay rent. I need to put myself in their shoes and know that your paycheck is still going to arrive on time. And that's really difficult as a business owner. I feel like your values are always a test. <laughs> it's like, are you going to choose this? or Are you going to choose that? So the model of work that I want to do is make something, always pay the artisans. Then when we have enough money, okay, make more things. And that is really slow, but it's the way that we can actually work out our values. And that means that we need to make sure that we are growing our foundations really strongly, making sure that we cherish the relationships we have. That's another thing that I saw was that because people came in to some of these communities with big ideas of, hey, guys, you're really skilled artisans, and we're going to help you sell in the U.S. or in Europe, they got them all excited. And then, you know, a couple of months or years go by and they start failing at their word. They don't start paying them fairly or fast, kind of breaking those relationships. So with that, I really was praying through what is God's heart in this? I felt God was telling me that this business is about bringing that sense of worth back to a lot of workers that they themselves don't think that being an artisan is actually valuable. And so I thought that one of the best ways of speaking God's purpose and worth into artisans' lives was making sure that they know, hey, we're in this together. I'm a woman just like you from the same country, image bearers of God more than making sure the business is successful is treasure relationships. And we've become actual friends. We've seen each other in bad moments and in good moments. But I think the most valuable thing that God has given the business is trust. We are not a big business or we're not to the point that we want financially, but I am really happy that God has helped me through this process of not putting money first, but really putting people first.
0: It sounds like integrity across the board is a hallmark of Zuahasa. Integrity in the product itself, integrity in saying we value our artisans and we want to make sure that you are put first. And integrity just in what you said that this name stands for. We operate like we're family. We look out for each other and we take care of each other. And that's really exciting. Even if, like you said, it has to move a little slower than you might really want it to, that it's developing a strong foundation that can maintain even through difficult times. So I also know about another story that I would love to hear a little bit more about, and that's because of the way that Zuhaza was developing at the time, that there was actually an opportunity to support rural communities in a new way during the pandemic. Can you tell us a bit about that experience?
1: So yeah, our business launched in November 2019. So just a few months before COVID changed our lives. But that moment, we had already started to work with a main group of weavers that make the majority of our products, pillows and throws and all products with cotton. We had already developed a small inventory. We launched our website. And then COVID hit and everything collapsed in Colombia. The roads connecting towns with cities, everything was absolutely closed unless you were working in the medical field or food delivery. But apart from that, you couldn't just take your car and go somewhere. So that meant that many rural communities where they depend on selling their craft, they go to cities to art fairs and they have to travel so long to get to these places to be able to sell their products. For almost six months, they were in their towns locked up, basically. Thankfully, God is so good that because we launched before the pandemic, we already had a website, the payment site All the logistics of shipping a product, all of that work we did by November 2019. And so I say it's a blessing because when 2020 came and it was March and, you know, no one could do anything, at least we had our operations working. We could sell products. We had our inventory in the U.S. mostly. And then a month into the pandemic, FedEx was able to pick things up in Bogota, at least, and then send them to other countries. So we we weren't really disrupted with selling products. So in that moment, there was a government organization that basically just had like a contact book of a bunch of artisan groups across Colombia, not just textiles, but it's baskets, rugs, like other products. They basically just kind of send out an email, like asking people, I know you make this product, but can you design some baskets with this other group that is literally stuck over there and can't sell their products? And so we started to work through 2020 with a family that makes rugs and then a family that makes baskets in other regions of the country. So that way we were able to start working with other groups out of this moment of necessity. And now I see today how baskets and rugs have really complemented our brand and have allowed us to grow really into becoming a home brand, not just soft textiles. The word home goods is so broad that it allows us to be able to work with multiple groups that might not weave or might not work on fabric specifically. They can work on wood or something else. And so it's open enough that in the case that we do grow and expand, we're able to allow more artisan groups to join in with us and sell their products with Swahouse.
0: So this ended up being a situation where you could help support these communities that were otherwise sort of closed off as far as being able to get their products to market and even open them up to an even broader market than maybe what they would have had anyways. And also something that complemented your brand that you had sort of unknowingly made space for. It's so amazing that even the fact that you are someone who works with communities and the way that they develop a product and that it just fits so perfectly into what you were already doing. It's just amazing the way that God was clearly at work just setting up this infrastructure to make space for something that would end up being mutually beneficial. That's such a cool story. I love that.
1: To me, it really has felt starting a business and growing this business slowly as truly a journey of faith. I'm constantly praying for faith. I'm always like, God, give me more faith because there's always something that comes up that makes you doubt. But then he brings up memories and things about like, remember when I did this, remember this. It's always this reminding of him taking care of you even when things really don't look good.
0: So you're already starting to speak a little bit to my next question, I think, but I'll ask it anyways. And that's, you know, as students with varsity, we would hear this vision over and over and over again of seeing lives transformed, the campuses renewed and world changers developed. How is your work with Zuahasa impacting you as a world changer who's in development yourself? And how do you see it playing a role in God's world changing work?
1: Oh, yes, <laughs> I think. Starting a business and being faithful to running it has been, for now, the hardest thing I've done. It's been emotionally exhausting, lots of tears, (laughs) lots of moments of not really knowing what's going to happen. But I think that's pretty much what faith looks like. I remember reading this book and it was about how trust is not this really beautiful, cozy word is really when everything looks like it's burning up and it is burning up, that's when you trust. And I think I've had to really grow in my understanding of what trusting God means. For example, I'm not a business person, I'm an artist. So starting a business and saying yes to that was already a challenge to me. I'm like, how in the world am I going to do this? But in that moment, just saying yes to the business, I felt like God was leading me towards that path. And a year after he had already put someone else in my life, I allowed them to find me through social media. And now is my business partner. She has a background in business and marketing, all the skills that I do not have, and I am not good at. God brought someone. So that's just one small example. But I think it's been really sweet to see how I personally have grown to have a different posture before God when a problem comes up. You do feel all the emotions, but then what do you do with those emotions? I have learned to really take things to prayer more often now that I face more challenges with the business. And that has been really sweet. When I started the business, I asked God that I wanted this business to really never lose its focus. The business is a product-based business, but the whole point of it is not selling a product. At the end of the day, it is really walking out what it looks like to love your neighbor, to love God, to learn how to run a business in a way that is pleasing to Him and that is honoring to Him. The way that we treat one another, the way that we treat the environment, how am I going to walk out the values of taking care of and stewarding God's creation? Running a business, if we set our hearts on it, God can really transform us to grow into citizens of the kingdom and how it operates in the world. As I said, I've seen businesses that are lacking integrity and transparency. So I really hope that even if we never become a large business, I don't mind as long as we keep our values intact, as long as we are able to respect and honor the makers, to see them grow and flourish. A lot of them are younger women from a background that they've never had the privilege of going to university like I did. So some of these dreams coming to fruition, I love to see that. And even if it's just one or two people, having that impact in their lives would be incredible. Ultimately, I want people to know that even though we don't market ourselves as a Christian organization, I want God's fruit and example to show through our actions. I really want to be able to walk the talk and be able to be like, yeah, we do this because we love Jesus and that's what he's done in our lives. And so that's what we want to do through our business.
0: I mean, as I hear you share these things, I'm like, gosh, this feels like a business that I want to be able to support. So for all of us who are here listening, as you're sharing, tell us how can we get access to the Zuhaza catalog?
1: So we have a website, swahaza.com, And then our Instagram is also just swahaza. In our website, we have our story. And then also we have a artisan page where you can get to see the faces of all the makers. There's a page where we talk about our sustainability philosophy and more about why we use organic cotton, natural fibers, and natural processes. And then we obviously have our shop. You'll be able to see all the categories of products that we currently sell, pillows, blankets, table linens, baskets, rugs. And in each description, you can read a little bit more about the inspiration behind each product. And then the majority of our items are actually in stock. They ship like three to five business days since you order them. Larger items take a little longer. Some of them are not in stock, but we put the button made to order. So if you really like something and you don't mind waiting, I encourage you to just click made to order. And basically what we do is we send email updates of the artisans making the product for you. And it's something really sweet because people get to have this connection with someone that's making something for their home. You can also customize something if a rug is not in the specific size you want. That's the nice thing about being a small business. We can personalize things a lot. And then lastly, today was our launch day for our new collection called Cartagena Collection. One of the goals of Suahaza is to be able to share a different narrative about my country. Growing up in the 90s, all of the bad news and things about Colombia Unfortunately, that's the main image a lot of people have about Colombia, if they do know about our country. But there's so much beauty and amazing culture, amazing people. I feel like God has truly given me a heart to love my country more. And I want as a designer to highlight those things um, in our collections. All of that to say that our new collection is inspired by the Caribbean of Colombia. And so people can go through the products and see what inspired a specific pillow or what inspired a specific throw.
0: And if I remember correctly, we actually do have a discount code for alumni as well.
1: Yes, it's just Zwahaza IV.
0: And I think it's a 15% discount. Tatiana, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for being an alumna who is passionate about makers and about their stories and about partnering with the image bearers of God and the amazing things that they're making. It's so cool to be able to have you among the ranks of our alumni and to be able to hear such a cool story. So thank you for being here today.
1: Thank you, John. Yeah, it was an honor. Thank you for the opportunity to share this story.
0: Can I just say, you alumni are so stinking cool. The unique ways that God is using you to make an impact on the world around you is inspiring. I wonder if Tatiana had any idea as a first-year student in Baltimore that God would use her love for the arts and her own abilities as an artist to honor and support local makers in Columbia, to preserve and showcase to the world the culture of her own country that she loves so much, or to provide quality home goods through this craft. I'd have to think that that might seem a little far-fetched at that stage of life. But here she is, changing the world in a very real way through the gifts and passions that God has given her. And how great that we can even have a small piece of that in our own homes. So, once you're done here, jump on Zuahaza's website, find something beautiful for your home or someone else's, and use that special alumni discount Zuahaza IV to get 15% off your purchase. You can find a link and the code in the show notes. And word on the street is that we're going to have some Zuahaza gear in real life at the Alumni Connection Space at Urbana. So be sure to stop by for your chance to spin the big wheel and win your very own piece of Zuahaza merchandise. I'll see you there. Tatiana, thank you so much for joining us this week, and thank you for the work you're doing through Zuahaza. It was so much fun getting to chat with you. Alright, we're tying a bow on this episode, but come on back next week for my conversation with Youngstown State University alumnus Jeremy. This is going to be a bit of a different conversation. We're going to learn about some of his experiences in the world of higher ed, his interactions with a couple you might recognize from a previous episode of the podcast, and why, despite having a deeply meaningful experience with his varsity chapter, Jeremy no longer identifies as a Christian. I loved getting to chat with Jeremy and I'm excited to share our conversation with you. So as always, be sure you're subscribed on your favorite podcast platform. Set those episodes to download automatically and make your kindergarten teacher proud by sharing nicely with others. That's it for today. I will see you in the after alumni.